Hello everybody and welcome to the TT Podcast. This is TT Rewind. And guess what? That's right, Steve's still on holiday. So when you get a moment, please head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts, leave us a little review and just tell Steve to get back to work. To be fair, we have got some cracking guests coming up in the next season of the TT Podcast. But until then, we're going to rewind. We're going to go back all the way almost to the start of the TT Podcast we are interviewing the legend that is John McGuinness, MBE. And it was one of my first times meeting him. It was one of my first times sat down with Steve. It was a nerve-wracking affair, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was one of the first steps on the way to what you hear nowadays, which is the TT Podcast. Make sure you leave us a review, leave us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. But for now, this is John McGuinness, MBE. For today's episode of the TT Podcast, we are joined by John McGuinness, MBE. Now, it's hard to quantify this man's achievements at the Isle of Man TT races, but I'm going to try my best. Today, he has 99 race starts, stood on the podium 47 separate occasions and taken 23 race wins across nine different classes with a hat-trick of victories on two separate occasions. He set new outright TT lap records on no less than 12 occasions and nobody has completed more laps in excess of 120 or 125 miles an hour than he has. He was the first man to lap the TT course at an average speed in excess of 128 miles an hour, 129, 130 and 131 miles an hour. And if that wasn't enough, 2022 will mark his 27th year as a TT racer. And yet despite this pedigree, the extraordinary facts and figures and his unquestionable ability to ride a bike, he is still a regular down-to-earth bloke from a seaside town in Lancashire. A family man whose wife, Becky, and kids Ewan and Maisie are by his side for every step. It's a journey that goes all the way back to 1982 with a 10-year-old boy sat watching the lights of Joey Dunlop, Mick Grant and Ron Haslam. 40 years later, he's unquestionably one of the sport's biggest ever stars. His name is now synonymous with the world's greatest motorsporting event, and this year he will line up on Glen Crutchery Road to start his 100th TT race start. Bike racing with the manufacturer that he has enjoyed so much success with. What a long-winded intro, but well worth every second of it. John McGuinness, welcome to the TT podcast. You all right? <laughs> Three minutes and ten second intro. I hope uh, Peter Hickman's won't as long as that. But, uh, I don't think anyone's will be. You're nah, right. Fantastic, yeah. Cool. You're the only person all year who's said MBE as well. A lot of people forgot about that, but I'm going to take that one as well. You MBE. Should do. Yeah, no, it's mega. Do you know, I'm fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. I've had a great year. Really enjoyed it. Enjoy riding in that Ducati Cup. Run our own little team, a family team. You know, we're finishing the top five in the championship, a few podiums, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, everything's. Uh, coming together again you know it's uh, we've all had a rough time haven't we over the last couple of years and like now all the sort of planets are lining up again and you know i'm really really happy to be back so sort of maybe where i belong or maybe not where i belong i don't know but where i've had a lot of success so uh you know it's uh it's all come together and uh, really looking forward to getting my teeth into all the testing and riding and uh is it 100 and, you might, 183 days or something Clive Padgett told me I was on the phone to him the other day it's about 180 something days away and we'll be it's going not down. far then. it's not far no it'll soon be around it is blooming hell right one question that we're <clears> going <throat> to ask every rider that comes into this you've been through the paddock bike's been wheeled up to Glen Crutchery Road you've jumped on it you've started up you've rolled yourself down to the start marshal he's about to tap you on the shoulder <laughs> what's going through your head in that moment 
Well, to be fair, there's lots <clears throat> lots going through my head. It's like, ever, you know, not like is the back wheel not tight and like, it's like, you know, have I, have I done everything I can? Is the bike set up best I can? I sort of paddle my way through and I always try and pick the family out as well if I can. Mrs. is normally, well, Ewan's old enough now to be on the road, so Mrs. and Ewan and then Maisie, will be, my daughter, will be up in the, in the grandstand, so I make sure I just get eye contact with them. <laughs> and then the heart's just pounding out of your chest. You know, the TV helicopters above you, the atmosphere is absolutely off the scale. And, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I wouldn't have said it was the greatest feeling. It's a very special feeling. Uh, not many people get to do it. You know, it's there's a lot of people want to do it, a lot of people talk about doing it, and there's, there's a lot of people stood at the pub saying they want to be this, that, and the other and a TT rider. But to be actually do it, get your licence and be stood there with a TT entry and have, have uh, the old boy got all your shoulder and uh, he's got all your tight until that flag drops and away you go. So even after... 99 TT starts don't get any easier it's still the same feeling no doesn't get any easier for me honestly it just it starts way way before way before just going through in that little winner's enclosure the, the little enclosure thing and it's sort of it's the, it's the last little bit as well there's not really anybody in there there's normally a TV camera or something but there's no mechanics there's no family it's just you you just sort of walk your way up to the start through the little archway and, you know it's full concentration on that crazy little Manx flag thing when that's that moves a millimetre you're away and then everything just it's full concentration but you know I lay in bed I can't eat I'm nervous and that the night before it's uh it, I do think about it a lot I mean, many days go by that I don't think about well there isn't I don't think about the TT and you know leading up to practice and through practice and you know I was I sort of put a lot of pressure on myself as well or I have done in the past I've always really wanted to win TTs and especially those big bike races and I always stick a lot of pressure on my shoulder and, you know, I want I want to win. So, uh, you know, I don't really say much to anybody. I just try and channel my focus into my inner self and then, you know, once we've gone, we're, it's up to me then. Do you think you put more pressure on yourself nowadays <clears throat> with the amount you've achieved than you did back in the day or, or not? Maybe. Maybe, a little, maybe I'm a, probably a little bit more nervous. Not so much pressure, you know, because I've had all the pressure. I've had the... You know, hundred start. You know, the hundred years of it, and all the pressure of being a factory Honda rider and Yamaha rider, and those electric bikes, and all the all the effort and that goes in. But now I'm getting a little bit longer in the tooth. I just hope that I'm still okay to do it. You know, yeah. I'm still, you know, fifty. I'll be fifty years old on the start line, and sort of hope I don't embarrass myself a bit. Really, you know, it's not so much pressure as in I've got to deliver. I just don't want to sort of make a fool of myself. I know I probably won't do, but I just just feels that way if you know what I mean you know what I mean I get to get to my age and it's yeah, still, well. I still I still want to win that's the thing but whether it's possible to do that I don't know you know I just followed Hickey into here keep looking at him you know he's younger he's, <laughs> he's probably a bit fitter and he's not as good looking obviously Clearly. but uh, it's, uh, you know he's a man to beat but uh, I still I keep saying it and uh, I can only do my best you know I can only do what I do and if I hit all the apexes and uh do the best I can. I can't see me being a million miles away. I'm going to come in with a technical question, first of all. Who the flipping heck decides to give people MBEs? Have you got it I think it's the gaffer. Have you got it? It's the gaffer, you know, that little, that little lady down, down south. 
think she, I think she has a final call on it. I thought if you collected enough vouchers in some cornflakes, <laughs> you could apply for I, one. I, I, Do you know I, what? I think I've, I think I might have missed it because <laughs> there, there's been a lot going on, and I keep looking into, on on Twitter and, and Instagram. Like everybody's getting theirs, and I've, I haven't got mine. But I think I might have missed an email somewhere on the invite down there. So my Listen, missus, my I, missus I, is going. I know for you never answer your phone, you never answer emails. That's maybe the that's maybe the problem. I'm old school. Emails <laughs> just, I look at them, I'll just, I'll be reading, be reading. And then, but then it's <laughs> anything that comes with it, with anything to do with MB, it's one of them gov ones or like, <laughs> and if it's got like a majesty on it, it's normally a tax bill or something. So <laughs> I just tend to, tend to swipe that one to the, to, to the left. But, you know, it's been a long winded thing. I mean, I, I don't know if, if I'm allowed to, but yeah, there's a, a bloke, uh, he doesn't like his name being mentioned, but. A good friend of mine who's been around a long time, he's been nominated, he's nominated me for an MBE. And he's been chipping and chipping and chipping away and building up a portfolio of what I've done, what I've achieved, and you know, it has to go there and backwards and forwards and Prime Minister has to read it. Da, 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 and it's all I've got all this lovely package and it's all loads of letters from uh the Lieutenant Governor of the Isle of Man has said a few nice words and some of some of my uh Old bosses have said a few words. Not Neil Tuxworth, by the way. He missed out. He's <laughs> your old boss. And all, he? he was supposed to say a few words about it, but he's forgotten to say it. So I don't know. He must have, must have, must have not been in his good books. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a real cool thing to get. I didn't have a clue. I just, again, I got some government, these government emails, and one of them was that I'm on the New Year's honours list. And Becky, my missus, is going, have you had an email? Have you had an email? Because she knew it was coming, but she had not allowed to say anything because you're not allowed to know an email off uh, I'm like what are you on about and then I had a route through and I'd, I think I deleted it and then it come up and that was on New Year's honours list yeah dead proud moment cool really nice you know mum dad chuffed a bit so all my family are over the moon about it and uh, yeah it's a nice little uh, bit of cherry on the top isn't it a little bit of icing on the top of the cake I know it's going to sound like I'm blowing smoke up his arse but you know come on honestly he thoroughly deserves it right Steve <laughs> you've got to say something you've got to be nice to him Please, Move, on. moving on <laughs> He'll never say it, really. Ah, well, I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, of course. What an ambassador. You know, for you, John, you know, looking ahead, Honda, back with them. How did all that come about? Well, to be honest, all the way through lockdown, if you like, and through this pandemic, I've always, they've been in touch with me, if, 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 if you like. You know, they've just been just asking me quietly away, you know, are you okay? How's the family? And what are you up to? And... You know, it's 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 quite a complicated thing. I did I have touched base on it slightly, but it's quite hard to understand. But I work for Honda Europe, and then Honda UK, who was going to run the TT for twenty twenty two. It's a different company; they're all under the same roof, but it's a different uh, different company. So the Honda UK, that Honda Honda Europe have disbanded now. So Honda UK have been in touch with me, and, and you know, my old bosses, old Bob McMillan, you know, Dave Hancock, all these guys. They've been in touch with me, nibbling away, and I've always kept in touch with them. And you know, I've said to them, you know, what do you reckon? Shall I go back? And Harvey Beltran, the team boss there, is, is uh, you know, been sort of chipping away at me as well. And it just seemed to be the right thing to do, the natural thing to do. Uh, you know, I'm 50 year old, 30 years of the Fireblade, 100 start, you know, MBE, new set of teeth, everything's looking good. So. It must have been, it must have been a lucrative contract you've signed because obviously five grand on your teeth nobody does that every day of the week do they? three grand it cost me three grand and I was ill with that but I said I'll get them done if you throw the whitening kit in so whitening kit was three hundred and fifty quid so I got that bunged in on deal 
Why does that not surprise do you know, me? Do you know what? Though? I had to walk out. <laughs> yeah, I had to walk out with one of them bags. It comes in with them. <laughs> you know the. I don't know, like a boutique bag thing. I'm so embarrassed walking out. I, like, mm. I wanted it to be in a spa bag so nobody <laughs> could see what it was. But yeah, do you know what? Best thing I've done. So, joking apart, piss taking apart, honestly, I've had, I've had pretty average teeth for a lot of years and I'm just so much more confident to smile now. And, uh, you know, a few of the rotten ones have come out as well. They made me have bad breath. So the whole job's looking up. So yeah, not saying new contract, new teeth, MBE jobs, jobs on fire. I just need to lose a bit of timber and we'll be away. But. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people say it's the money or whatever, it's this, that, and the other. But you know, they've they've come up with a package for me that's that can be, you know, it's a it's a two year deal. You know, if I want to race, I can race. If I don't race, I can do some ambassador stuff for them, and you know, it just guaranteed the the work, guaranteed your wages. You know, I got uh, I got my trousers pulled down a bit at the twelfth hour by by Norton, you know, it's uh, they owe me a few quid and uh, but I'm not I'm not bothered. <laughs> I don't care, you know what I mean? It was an experience, it was uh, it was part of the journey, you know, it was it was Hollywood, you know, silver bike, except everybody wanted me to, to do well on it. I'm s i am was so embarrassed about everything that went on with that deal, you know, I felt like I'd let all my sponsors down, I'd let all my fans down, you know, I sold Norton T shirts and all sorts of things and things just dropped to bits around me. But uh, you know, I don't I didn't really want to go through any of that anymore i need to go back to to what i know uh the, the same environment and i've always been like that you know i don't i've never been here there and everywhere you know i've worn the same elements for 16 years and you know i've been with scott leathers and, and alpine staff for all my career so it's um you know i like the stability i like the loyalty i like everything about the where we're going to go back to you know and it'll, it'll it'll be good you know all the boxes will be ticked and It'd be good products, and you know, there's no point going back to what happened in '17. We know what happened there. You know, it was it was documented that it was an ECU auto blipper problem. I had my accident. Times healed it. Water's gone under the bridge, and uh, it's a clean sheet of paper and, and and crack on. You know. Did you not think at any point you're going to call it a day then? Because you, you're uh, talking, you're talking like you, you t- like Hickey or, or Dean Harrison. Like you're in for a two-year deal. <laughs> you commit into it, and you you want to go and be competitive there. Absolutely, yeah. No, I never thought about packing in because if I should have packed in, if I was going to pack in, the best time to pack in would have been the end of 2015 when I won that senior. It was take a bow and walk away. But I went back there in 16. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed 2016. I didn't win a, I'm not sure if, I don't think I won a race, but I had a couple of podiums on the superbike. But, you know, there was feelings there that I, I that you can't put into words, you know. I was in the, I'd ridden the race, I'd done 132.7. I'd gone wheel to wheel with Michael Dunlop and Ian Hutchinson. The weather was good, bike was handling good, and I really, that was what it's all about, yeah, enjoying yeah. around the bike. And I crossed the line third, I shook their hands, them two were having a bit of a, a barney about there was all sorts going on in the, in, the, in the press conference. And, you know, some, it's the only place in the world where somebody will hand you a bottle of Corona beer, you know, <laughs> you know an F1 press conference there ain't no beer yeah, swilling around and stuff and there's not two lads having an argument about <laughs> what engines they had in and I don't know the full details but somebody just said hey John do you want a beer I said bloody right I do you know and I was sat there sweating red hot beautiful and just it was fantastic living the dream it was it was amazing you know then 17 we know 18 I was still injured 19 we had to go with the Norton and there's no way I want to finish racing at the TT with a broken engine bolt at yeah. the bungalow and that's basically where we were, you know, I thought, Jesus, you know, after after all the things I've done, I'm stood up here at the bungalow with a broken bike. I thought, nah, it's just not how yeah. I, I 
visualised it. You know, I walk across the line and seeing you know, take a bow, and I, I don't want to say this is my last because this is if you always say that it's the one that bites you. So I'm just going to do the same thing, tick the boxes, make sure I'm I'm riding fit, all on the same page, family, mates, bosses, mechanics, and go and ride, and then we'll make a decision after that. But you know, if I've got to go around afterwards and go to a launch of a Honda scooter in Portugal and talk to the dealers and talk to the you, you know, the press. I'm happy about that. I like that. I don't mind being stood at the bar at two o'clock in the morning talking shite about racing bikes through the years with a journalist, you know. And, and there's not many people, again, no disrespect to anybody, but there's not really many people got the stories I have, you know. My teammates have had, my things we've been through, the World Endurance with Steve, the BSB, the Superbike, the World Supersport, you know, so I can I can tell a story as well, so I keep keep yeah. everything going. So, you know, hopefully I can bring a little bit back afterwards when I've hanged my boots up, you know. So one thing you just mentioned there was not saying it's going to be your last one. Are you, does that mean you're superstitious? Do you have, do you have superstitions as you're, as you're uh, I do, approaching? Yeah. yeah, I do, yeah. Not, not only with racing, yeah. and not that I wanted to either, not that I set out to do, it was just some weird things happened over the years, and it's like the voodoo doll on the back of my helmet. And to be fair, it's a shit story, really, you know what I mean? Go on. Like, how long have you got? You know I mean? I'll try and be brief, you know, I went to... <laughs> I went, in 1999, I got my first helmet paint job. I thought, oh, that's nice. Usual pink squirrels and all that. Everybody does have does their own little. And then I crashed in practice, wrote the helmet off. So, oh. so I shared a garage with a bloke called Jack Silverman. It's boring, but bear with me. And he had, I've no idea why or how, but he had a, like 100 helmets painted in his garage. Mm. Bizarre. Of all these artifacts he has in his museums. Silverman museums. <laughs> so it's based on a rug my helmet and then the voodoo doll like warns of evil spirits so big old yank says to me he said oh you know bloody unlucky you know I've got a yank accent but he's like just take this helmet racing this helmet and I put it on a one day tour on the 250 race I thought Ooh, we'll have to carry on with this helmet now so I won the British Championship won my first TT so that stayed with me it's right like that grey and yeah it's like a beige and, and yeah. blue it's horrible really mm. but it's, it is super different but and the voodoo doll's always been on the back of my head and then I remember you and he'd be about three or four years old or something, 2004, maybe three year old. He found a penny on the floor and he said, Yeah, Dad, that's, that's a good look penny. I was like, oh, Shit. <laughs> I shoved it down my leathers. <laughs> so I've always raced with a penny down my leathers, yeah. Is it always there when you get back? Yeah, but sometimes it's up my ass crack or it <laughs> ends up in all sorts of places. But in it's the always way, there. Yeah, I've, had, I've had imprint at Queen's head on my, <laughs> on my ass cheeks before. You know, an old Is that old why you coin. got your MBE? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not showing my ass, but... Uh, Why am I picturing the scene? <laughs> I don't know. It ends up with your boots and all sorts. But yeah, the pennies always come around on me for since old four. So I am a bit of a superstitious guy. I don't like to make predictions. I always like to think, well, actions speak louder than words, you know, and everybody's... You know, people live on different ways, confidence, how they need to motivate themselves and all that. I just build it up all inside myself and then just try and, you know, fire it all into the all that, what I know, into the race. But, you know, we're going to have six races, aren't we? So... Two super back, two super sport. You know, plenty of plenty of practice, plenty of time to. Is that is that what you're going to be entering twenty two? Yep, twenty twenty two. We've got two super bike races, two super stock, haven't we? And two super sport. The super sport thing's a little question mark over that. I'd like to run, I'd like to run my own my own thing there. I would really like to run my own six hundred thing. I've got my my truck, and I've been using Robin Cross trailer to do that Ducati Cup. So I've, I've got a bit of infrastructure now, a few bits and. 
you know, I don't know where my lad's going to go. You and he's been on the spanners a little bit with us for the last couple of years, and he's done a work experience down at Louth as well over the last last week. So, uh, well, it might be something for for you and to to think about. But I would like to to do that. I'm quite proud of me the catty thing last year. It all come together a bit stressful at times, but I'm not the most organised person in the world. But <laughs> it all come together at the twelfth hour, and we did all right. You know, it was good. Really enjoyed it. And uh, but yeah, the. I'd like to do this, maybe do the 650, but I don't think Honda have a competitive bike. And now I'm Mr. Honda now, so it's cut me in half. I'll have to have Honda written through me, so I won't be allowed to ride anything else. <laughs> Talking to your family as well, they're as synonymous at the TT as, as pretty much you are. They've been there through thick and thin. Are they part of it all? Like you couldn't yeah. do the TT without them? No, I don't think so. No, I've never done any, any of my races. You know, the missus has been there for every single one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. You know, we, like I said, I've been together 32 years with us. So when I first started racing in 1990, you know, we're a, we're a new item. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've done everything together, you know. So it's, uh, but she's good. She's she's organises me. She makes me food because, you know, otherwise I'd be in pub and you want beer. And you, you know what I mean? It's like you, yeah. you need structure. You need some sort of structure at TT. You know, you've got to go to bed early. You've got to need your sleep. And you need you need good quality foods. And that. Well, I'd be, you know, probably not eating correctly and things like that. So, you know, I've always been, you know, like a few years ago, I had Jim Moody with me at the TT in 2004 and that was a big turning point for me. You know, he he made me go to sleep and made me eat this and told me, got me to the front of the queue for practice and just, you know, made me concentrate really hard on it. And 50 weeks of the year when you can go to the pub, but there's only two weeks of the, of the year where you can ride the TT. So it's, it's full concentration and, Kids ground you as well, you know. Like yeah. kid, you and was was only be two months old when he went to his first TT, you know. And now he's twenty, so he's uh, he's a big he's a big lad now, and he's been right right through it, seeing all the a lot of the races, and he sort of understands it as well. And when he was younger, if I had a bad race and I come in, he didn't care. He's still playing with swords, and he was a yeah, little yeah. pirate at the time. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, do you know what? <laughs> it doesn't really matter. You know, it's not the end of the world. And my daughter's involved now. She's eleven. Uh, well, she loves the travelling, you know. We did all that world endurance together. We always took them with us. Yeah. Uh, and they're the great as well because I could say to them now, oh, I've got to Japan in the morning. They'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, no worries. And just pack the bag and go. Well, they'd be sitting on a 12-hour flight. They'd been to Australia to, to the races. And, you know, it's I cherish a lot of that. There's all the moments are there. It's, sometimes it's hard. Some riders just don't want it. They can't cope with, you know, shitty nappies and yeah. screaming kids at two in the morning or whatever and but I, I just dealt with it i just dealt with it and i thought there's no way they're not going to experience that journey with me so uh, you know they'll they'll be there you know it's we've had a few fines off the off the school <laughs> a few, the old school you know the old uh, ed master at last school he was just a dick really you know he just did not get it yeah. in a lot of ways like, i understood you know but are oh, they going to learn some lessons it, though, aren't they? I got, I got fined. Some of the world. Hmm. I got fined 140 quid to take her to Australia when she was six years old. You know, she was shearing sheep. She was up. You know, she was seeing the penguins come on at, at Phillip Island, and then went up to Queensland and Brisbane. All that. And I thought, well, that's not a life lessons at six year old. I'm giving in. Just paid the fine. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Share whatever. But it was. Uh, yeah, we've had a few uh, few scrapes for the schools, but I wouldn't. No way, I change anything. No. Mm. So, what about their foray into motorcycling? Do you kind of keep them separate from it? Are they? Is that competitive edge rubbing off on them? Do they want to get into it? Ewan's into it now. My boy's into it. He's into the bikes big time now. He was all F one. He was all this and cars. And but for a long time, no interest. 
No interest. That's amazing. And that. like, there's always been like, as he's grown up, Pee Wee Fifty in the garage. I'm like, yeah, you know, so can't see what I'm doing now on this podcast. But I'm sort of <laughs> not into it. Yeah. Like, fancy going that? And nah, no, no, it's not really happened. Then there's been a quad, and you know, it's not. I didn't really want to be the the mad dad and shove him on it. And mm-hmm. but sometimes I think selfishly, I maybe should have introduced him to it somehow a bit more. And you know, it's always been about always been about me really i've been the selfish one it's all been about me and the racing sometimes have i left have i left them out of it you know so it's only recently i thought that in the last couple of years i'm like looking at him he's 20 i think you know have i took him away from maybe but he'd get into it wouldn't he words, what do you think he's nodding steve's nodding next to me as well <laughs> yeah well i'm nodding but <laughs> you're talking a lot about the kids what about becky what about the wife how do you think she copes with it all your moods your swings mm. your build up to the tt especially you know which is massive i think for you as well because you know um you're so passionate it's your obviously it's your main goal annually and it's something she has to put up with all mm. year long mm. well she's a saint isn't she really you know you, you have your moments don't you but um we we just have been solid, I think, really. You know, there's been a, a couple of little ups and downs along the way, but you can't be with somebody for 30 years and not have a, hey, a scrape here and there. But, you know, we have, and uh, but we've always come back and, you know, we're dead. You know, we both was brought up on a council estate in Eusham and we've achieved amazing things together. And, you know, we, we'd... I, I, I'm not. I'm going to say it. I'm not thinking I'm that bad to live with. <laughs> well, probably in her, I am. Uh, but it's just I want the best. I want the best for them. I want the best for the kids. I want to be able to, you know, for them to be safe and secure. You know, there's a lot of things that when they were born, oh, you might stop racing now. Well, it made me more determined. It made me more determined to provide. It made me more determined to do better things and make them proud of me and. and be stronger and and you know that major come along and again which brought us even closer uh obviously you know you think about the danger sides of it and but she never says anything so let's go back to the start it's an illustrious career a long career all the way back in 1996 i'd, I'd just been born then just to make you feel old eh? no Jesus. i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> but debuted in 96 first win in 99 Massive year, 99, you know, obviously uh, British 250 champion as well as the roads and, you know, uh, really on song. Yeah, 99 was the sort of turning point of my life, really. Uh, I don't like that career word. It's a weird word, that career. It's crap. I'm going to call it my journey. Journey, yeah. Yeah, career. Because you see you hear people talking about the career, never won anything. They say, hey, my career, what career do you have? But, you know... <laughs> 96 I was on the tools and he's laughing again Plato's laughing because he used to do a bit, a little bit of work like me but I didn't go to college I did for full three years sitting in Gills anyway I was on, my, on the tools 96 97 Bricklayer by the way 98 part time 98 really but then 99 I just down tools and went again professional if you want to call it but I wasn't professional I was living on Becky's sofa we were just it just great bike I'd Raced under the radar a little bit, really, at the TT. 96 was under the radar, 97 first podium. 98 was a big year for Honda. But again, I was sort of under the radar, rode a 500 and a 250 and things. And for me, at the TT, it was, if I don't win now, I'm never going to win one because I'd, I'd, I knew the track, I knew my 250, I was leading the British Championship. Everything was lined up and it was, I remember going down Braille on it and AK engine, it was, had a brand, fantastic mechanic, Blandy was still in the, in, in the sport and 
I hit the bottom of braille, it just, wow, I thought, fuck, you know, this thing is absolutely flying. It's on point, this thing. And it's like, no, no or never. And, uh, Can we just say as well, for, for, for recent TT fans, this is these are two strokes. They're two not, strokes, they're yeah. They're not four strokes. So. Yeah, two strokes. So you'd know, you know, no laptops plugging in. It was yeah. all sort of what reading barometers. Again, TT is difficult. You're climbing a mountain, you're at sea level a couple of times. And then, you know, they, they, so you need a good mechanic. But I did, I had the best, I had the best bike. You know, I'll all be end up with 100% I was on the best bike. That Vimto 250 was 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 outstanding, you know. Don't guarantee a win, though, does it? No, no, but that's what I'm saying. I'd, I'd, I was young, I was light, I was focused, I was, you know, I had a couple of podiums at the TT. 22 years, you know, who did you have yeah. to beat? Well, Joey was, Joey was in there. Uh, I think Joey moved from number three to, to number 12. He went a higher number, did Joey? I don't know if he might have been a little bit worried about me. What number did you run? Four. I was number four, you know. I can remember, like, I just lining up, you know, with Gavin Lee, Jason Griffiths, Owen McNally, you know, two of them lads are not with us anymore. There was myself. Number five was my teammate, uh, Dick Coates. He was an airline pilot. He was on my spare 250. You know, it was it was Gary Dines. There was Ian Locker, uh, J- James Courtney, Joey Dunlop. It was just, it was a bloody hard race to win, you know. It was competitive and there was a lot of good bikes around, but, you know, I, I was... I won't say I was a smart ass, but I was confident so in them day. I thought I'm gonna get I'm gonna have to try and win this one and you know, I just got my head down, mint pit stop and away and it was just amazing. I remember crossing the line, I was like it was like a bit of anticlimax. I thought, like, Oh what do I say now? And I got an interview, I just waffled an absolute load of crap to be honest. And I look back at it and I'm so embarrassed, but a bit like relief as well, you know. I was like, Oh god, I've you know, I've I've won one, you know, this is my dream come true, but you know, it's like I didn't know what to do, you know, I didn't start crying, do a backflip, go nude, don't prom, I didn't know what to do, but, you know, it was the start of it all, and, uh, you know, I rode the 500 in the senior two-stroke, and 99, again, out, even outside the TT, like I say, I won the British Championship, I won Daytona, I won Stars of Dali, I was on pole at Macau, uh, broke down in the race in Macau, leading that race, just like, it was amazing, and all of a sudden, there was a bit of prize money in the bank as well, I was like, ooh, and, you know, I'd never seen four figures in my bank it was always like <laughs> not in there so i'd met a few bob and i loved it absolutely loved it it was fantastic you know and what you know back from those days like i said that's uh 22 flipping years ago but what's the biggest difference now on, on the modern machine you're going from two strokes to four strokes around a tt course mm, well i'll tell you what i rode a four stroke for the first time in 97 at the tt and hated it I rode a CBR 600 for a bloke called John Lucas from Garstang, near where I am. Gentleman, lovely bloke. Built me this new bike and I was pitiful on it. It's the first, I think it's the only race I've ever finished where I didn't get a replica. I got a finishers award. But yeah, I was 20 bloody 7th or something. But yeah, then then I, I, it put me off him a little bit for a while. Then I rode my 500s there in uh, 98 and 99. Then I first rode the four strokes in, was the SP1 being Joy Dunlop's teammate in 2000. But... Four strokes were they, were, they were just different. They weren't, didn't come out and bite you, and, and well, they did, but they didn't, it was just a different style, you know. There was a lot of engine braking, a lot heavier, different characteristics, and it was time for me to move on and learn how to ride a four stroke because I'd shied away from it a little bit too long. I should have, you know, a lot of some of my regrets in, well, not that I've got many, but I should have moved on to the bigger bikes a bit earlier when, like, Rutter did and a few others, and I stayed on my 250 in that for the British Championship. For another year in 2000, I should have moved on. But, yeah, the four strokes was was where it was all going. All the kudos is in the superbike races, so I needed to be riding superbikes. 
and that's where you know 250 was great and it was a little bit under the radar compared to the big bikes but 2000 come along and all of a sudden you know i'm professional professional rider you know i'm riding the factory honda team i got joy dunlop as a teammate you know no pressure my absolute all-time hero and uh what a joy you know it was just amazing it was just everything had come true for me you know it was uh I watched him in 1986. Sorry, well, I watched him earlier than that, but when, when he ran the Rothmans Honda, I went and got a picture of him and bought it down the prom. And I used to buy pictures in the window of the prom. And I got him to sign it. I was there on my bicycle. I was on my BMX. I said, I'll stand on the podium with you one day, Joey. He just went, oh, fucking hell, you That's about all he said, so. And everyone was sort of what he said. And I, I reminded him in 97. It was 11 years later. I was on the podium with him on my Aprilia, 250 Aprilia. And I was like, oh, I told you to stand on the podium with you one day, Joey. And he went, her fucking her. That was about all he heard. But yeah, then I went all of it, you know, three years later, I'm his teammate. So yeah, it was amazing, really. First superbike podium and, you know, understanding the four strokes. And that's, again, part of the job, part of the journey. Did you ever think once you got that first win, you'd be looking at 23 TT wins eventually? No chance, no. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I, yeah. I really didn't, you know. It was just, it was just a, just my dream job, you know. It was just what everything I ever wanted to do, you know. I just, I wanted to win races. Don't get me wrong, you know. I just, you, everybody quietly wants to win one, you know. And I was always on good bikes and good teams around me, so I had to deliver as well, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of expectation for for you for you to win, and I wanted to win, but I never. I'm sat here now at nearly fifty, and if I sort of say. How have I done it? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. You know, I've not had a magic wand, though. It's yeah. Just, and you know what the scary bit is? It's gone that fast. Yeah, I bet. I could sit here all night and talk to you about every single race. I can remember every single one from one, two, five, singles, 400 TTs, electric bike wins, all sorts. Of but it's just year, year after year, you know, yeah. 2001, you know, just like, God, where's that gone? But, you know, still... The head is completely still focused on it, you know. I look in the mirror and think, you know, everything's going a bit south and that, but like every, my head's just completely dialed into it. But never thought I'd win 23. To win three, to win one, to win mm-hmm. two, you know, to even compete in a TT, you know, you've got so balls of mate. steel, you know, oh, yeah. you know, you know, mug, you know, to so you to get an international license and line up on the start line and go around 105, 110, whatever, you know, you've uh, you've achieved a lot. So for me to be here at 23, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I can feel the passion, you know, in your see it in your eyes, the way you're talking at the moment, obviously about obviously all the wins, the twenty three and a lot of special moments. What about the negatives? You know, starting off from scratch your first year with mm. uh, obviously Mick Lofthouse and, and other negatives as you as you've gone on, you've had to kind of overcome not just uh, from one year to the next, but at that year the same to mm. get on and ride and be competitive. Yeah. Yeah, first year was ninety six was it was pretty heavy going, really, in a lot of ways. I, I wanted to do the TT, but when I was, like, on my own racing with my dad and my nana was involved, my mum was involved, and I've got to, you know, spare this, spare that, and we just rustled it all together. I wanted to do the TT, but could never really... I didn't want to go half-heartedly. In 96, I rode for Paul Bird. I had a new bike, you know, some new parts in it. So I went to Northwest 200, and, and, and going from... 13th, 14th, 15th place to be in the leading group. I was like, that's Joey Dunlop there, you know. And then they, I was like, well, I spent more time looking at the, the name on his back than looking where I'm going. So I thought, oh, yellow helmet's Joey, whoa, he's my hero. And, you know, it was just 
were writing this leading group. And I said to Birdie, I said, should we do TT? And that was when I made my decision at the Northwest two weeks before the TT. So we wrung them up and said, can we, can we do it? Well, give us a late entry. And you know, I got 350 quid off the Mike Elwood Foundation and I got a free boat. And I just, to me, that was everything. I don't, I don't need anything else. I sleep in my van, I sleep in the bus shelter. I'm not bothered as long as I'm there with my bike and I can go and do it. No practice laps prior? No, I'd been across, oh, I'd been across, you know, rewinding back. I watched the V for Victory videos, yeah, yeah. all these loads. Of, you know, I've sort of read about it and I went down my teaser R125 at 17, went down my KO1S, did lap after lap after lap. So right. I sort of knew where I was, but, you know, I made a late decision to do it and we did it going right. Real bad week of practice with weather. It was a real shocking week and not getting any dry, dry practice. And Friday morning, you know, I had to ride past uh, Robert Holden, who was killed in front of me at uh, going to Glen, uh, Glen Helen. So, and it, it's the first time I'd sort of seen what it can do, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. It was a mess. You know, it wasn't pretty. And then, same lap, Mick got killed at uh, Milltown. I come back and, you know, I said, I'm, forget it. I'm not doing it. It's not for me, this. And Mick's dad... Arthur, he was a bit of a boy. He's not with us anymore, but he's like, oh, get on that effing bike and get on with it. <laughs> and I did, you know, some come out. Mint, I finished 15th, bronze replica, Joey won the race and chuffed to bits, you know. I only took one bike in 96. Didn't have a full stable of bikes and all. I just went in one bike, did the 250 race. Job's a dream. Start so, the job. So if he'd have not said something, would you would you have walked off? Would you have turned off? Turned possibly, away and on possibly. Yeah, I was, uh, I've had a few moments like that when David Jeffries was killed in two thousand three as well. That was heavy going. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, I, I was the first man on the scene, and I won't go into details, but obviously you can imagine. You know, there was a lot of us parked up there, and Big H carried me off. Fireman, you see, <laughs> put me in his big. I was stood there looking, thinking. Pfft. Stood there, just sat in that. I was on the factory in most months, mob the cat in it. I can remember it now. The bike was like just running, and I was like, uh, you know, just this wall of mess. And yeah. you know, H pulled up, switched it off, and just carried me off and put me in a garden up the road. And I was like, you know, helicopter came, etc. But like Pauline Jeffries, who again's not with us anymore, David's mother, she was like, get on that bloody bike. Again, you know, I said, oh, I'm going, I'm done, I've had enough of this job. Get on that bloody bike. David, want you on that bike. <laughs> So I remember it was morning after. It was a five o'clock practice. They don't do that anymore. So I was out on the 400 and the 600 in the morning again. Hair on fire, bloody flying around the track. <laughs> Everything's great again, you know, selfishly again, you know. Is it, is it, is it, is it that quick? And you'll, you, I guess you must have experienced it too, Steve. The moment you get back on your bike, you're just focused. You're not focused on that anymore. It's. I remember talking to Lee Johnson when Dan Neen got killed and we were sat in his motorhome and he's he's like, I've known that guy for this long, and I'm just—I've just in a, in about ten minutes, I'm going to be going down that road, and and is is that the way it is? You just you kind of park it to one side, and yeah, I think you kind of park it up in part of your head to a certain degree, and it's something I'm not very proud of, you know, because you can kind of uh, put it to one side in the back of your head and and carry on with the job in hand, you know, and it's, you don't really start thinking about it either until the event's finished. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, otherwise you wouldn't be able to do it. You know, and it's again, like I said, it's nothing I'm particularly proud of, but I think that's what you have to do to to go for. I mean, John, you've you've experienced more than I have. I've seen some pretty horrible stuff, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think again, I, I just I just remember Dave, just happy. You know, yeah. as a big yeah. numb, fucking lovable bloke. You know, 
mm-hmm. gifted sort of guy, you Big know. Big gaff lad, full of fun. Yeah, just, you know, turn his hand at anything, bit of trials riding, bit of, you know, but, you know, they didn't, Dave didn't suffer, it was gone, he was just in a split second, he was gone. And I always, every time I go through Crosby, every single lap I do, I always ask him to look after me. Every yeah. time I go through Kurt Michael, I'll ask Gus Scott to look after me. And every time I go through Milton, I ask Mick to look after me. And it's just, I'm not a religious person. I don't know if they're up there looking down. I haven't a clue, you know, yeah. I don't know where you go when you're gone. Uh, but it just puts my mind at rest. It's just a little little thing I do. And just, and I'm just muttering under my breath, on the bike, going through 180 miles an hour. <laughs> look after me, Dave, <laughs> every lap. And you know, yeah, it's 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 a it's a hard one, you know. There's a, there's a f- few things that they do. It does flash back times, you know. Sometimes you shut your eyes and you see things, and I just try and turn away from it and look at the good things. Yeah, the good things have been epic. Mm-hmm. Not just for me, from you know Hickey's one three five lap. I was there injured. I was at uh, Umbra Hill in the garden, and as he started his last lap, then Harrison and that were at it, and I was like. You just about to see something here that's going to be off the screen. It's mm-hmm. going to be epic, and like I knew where they were on the track, and I'm sat there with them, thinking, "Oh, they're coming through there." And I see helicopters coming, and some guy was talking to me, and he's like, "Ram, ram, ram." I just fucking shut up. You're just about to witness something off, you know, history. And I was just like, "You're here to watch the racing," you know what I mean? I was welded to the my radio, and even I'm a fan, you know what I mean? I'm like, "Wow, you know, he's just going to," and they come through. I was like, "Blew me away, man!" I was like, "Wow." So what's been, what's happened there is, I know we've lost people, but when it's, when it's good, there is nothing like it. No, you know, and like, just going about how do you feel when you cross the line? You know, I've been stood in the winners' enclosure and I've seen looked across and James Hillier's ball and his eyes out. You know, I see. He said he just said we shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) We should not be doing that. You know, it's just. Everything's just draining out of you because you know you've done sixty, seven. I don't know how many laps you do. A lot of laps. Yeah. You know, effort, the physical, the mental stress, the pressure, everything else, and you know, to stand on the podium in the senior and and, and see, you know, he's a bit of a softy. You know, what I mean, I'm, I build it up a lot, me. Yeah. You know, he let it all go. I was like, wow, that, you know, you never see that anywhere in the world. Nowhere in the world. So, what do you think about the like? There's been people within the the industry saying the TT should be stopped. Now, obviously, we've had a break and everyone wants it back. Riders, mechanics, people that are involved in it clearly want it to go go on. And, and kind of you're like a, a bit of a figurehead when it comes to that, that you want, you know, we never want to mm. see it stop, right? Yeah, there's a very small minority that yeah. will always say that. And, and, and you know, um, people should be free to give their own opinion. But fortunately, mm-hmm. the majority uh, understand what a great spectacle it is and, and, and know that everybody competing and doing it off their own backs and, and there because they want to win. Yeah. It's changed a, a little bit over the last... I had a tough time when Dave got killed in 03 and 05 Gus got killed and it was... it were getting a kicking in the shins, the old TT. Yeah. You know, we... Paul Phillips got involved and, you know, I said, you know, whenever any, whenever any journalist talks to me negative about it, I just won't answer him. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like, well, I don't want to discuss it. You know, yeah. let's talk about the great times, you know, the the Aylwoods and the Jeff Dukes and the, the history and the when it started and what it's been. You know, it's unbelievable. It's and not, what it's about, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, we know that you can get injured and worse. But, uh, you know, there is one or two maybe. But, like I say, I think as a team, as an organisation and, and the riders, we've successfully steered them away from 
talking yeah. negatively about it, you know. I, I don't want to go into, you know, can't go into massive detail. Don't go if you don't want to go. Throttle goes both ways, blah, blah. There's loads of ways of looking at yeah. it. But, you know, it's just still so raw, still so original. It's still nowhere, you know. But like you say, you, you experience those lows, but there's, like you said, there's so many highs. Like one of those highs for you probably was, was breaking that 130 mile an hour. Mm. Two thousand seven, yeah, two thousand seven, hundred TT in the senior. It only happened once, and it often only happened by it only had one lap by one rider, which was me. Which is always <laughs> not sounding a cock because I don't want to sound big Eddie, but it, it just makes it sweeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, nobody yeah, else yeah, got yeah. it. It was, my, it was my first year. I was a newcomer that year, and I just thought, wow. Yeah. How did it feel then? Like you say, it you're the only person that did it. Absolutely mint. Absolutely mint. My bike was great. My as good as a win. Uh no, okay. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no. The, it it was a weird experience, and uh, a bit like the one thirty two when you were commentating and the day you could hear you. I was like, shut up, because I just still wanted to concentrate on what I was doing. Did that first one three two seven, you know. But the one thirty, obviously, it's a milestone, and and uh, the, I came into the pits and I was just concentrating on what I'm doing, and it has been done. It has been. <laughs> I could hear all the commentary. I was like, well, you know. Everybody, and that that lap three was was something was I'll never ever forget because mm-hmm. everybody waved me round on lap three. To the fans, to them it probably meant more than the win because I'd seen something. Yeah, but I know I don't get my winner if I, if I broke down on lap six, I'd have been gutted. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, brought, I did one hundred and thirty one, one hundred and thirty one five seven eight in two thousand and nine, and the chain snapped. Mm-hmm. You know, I was absolutely spewing because, and you know what? The, 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 one of the reasons why I was spewing is because the trap was mint, my bike was mint. I was really, really enjoying riding the bike, yeah. and you don't get many chances to do it. I was like, fuck, you know, gutted. Please, for Steve, obviously one of us. It made a nice <laughs> necklace. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, you have to win them. Take note away from you, mate. It was just. But so like the one thirty, going back to that one thirty, yeah, lovely. And you know, there's little snippets that I take out of it. Was that third lap was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Everybody programs waving. It was like some off. You know, I did it when Stevie's lot did the first one twenty. Yeah. You know, I was on the bank at Ren, calling my feet over the bloody grass bank, which you can't do anymore. Them them days are gone. And uh, it was really special. But I had to keep. You know, I had to hit the apexes. I had to finish the race. I wanted to finish the race hundred percent. Slow down a little bit. Didn't chase the bike. But when I came into the winner's enclosure, uh, Murray Walker was there in tears. Really? Like, what? Are you all right, Murray? So I'd like to do a few cuddles family. I thought, Murray was just on in the corner on his own. You know, he said a little piece to camera. And then he was there. I said, are you all right, Murray? I said, oh. he said, I never, ever thought I'd ever witness that. He said, I witnessed the first 80, 80 90, 100 mile laps. I never thought I'd ever witness a 130, so... That was really special. It's quite quite a cool cool moment, you know. Yeah, but, big time. Uh, mm, also... I've been friends with Murray right to the end, you know. <clears throat> I got some lovely emails off him here, but really, really, I I'm <laughs> my grammar's rubbish, so when I write emails, it's all spelled wrong and everything. <laughs> but when, <laughs> there's no big words in there. It's <laughs> and and then and what and <laughs> like. Well, I've got some. Lovely, hey, <laughs> yeah, it is. I do put a up a lot. Now, hey up, lad, and all that. But like. I've got some emails off Murray, and it's just super written, you know, about when I rode and did some races after the 07, and obviously I kept in contact with him. And 
he would always email me back. So I've got them all saved, but you know, it's just uh, yeah, he's just a, just a diamond, wasn't he? You know, just diamond sort of fella. But yeah, there's been loads of little moments like that. But <clears throat> that bike was awesome. My old six and seven bike. It was bikes a bit triggers broom, another engine in and different wheels and bits and bobs. But the old six and seven bike was fantastic bike. Fantastic bike. I did the double double six and seven. Yeah, I won a couple of Northwest on it, and I just like. I adored the bike. I adored it. And that, that's in the house at home that lives on the... I was just going to say, have you got that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, I have to walk past it every day of my life and I just think that contributed to a lot to the house. <laughs> that bike, a <laughs> couple of wins on that. I've got my Vimto bike under the stairs at home and they're my, like, my wife's two favourite bikes and things. So first win, first 130 win. So they're like epic moments through... I mean, we could we could literally go through every single race and every single practice with John. Really, can I move it forward to 2013? 2013, yeah. you um, had the special Joey Dunlop livery. Now, Joey, as you've said earlier in it, Joey is an idol, and to be able to race with him hmm. must have been special. To stand on the podium must have been special for Honda to to give you his his yeah. helmet, his bike. Basically, give him, <clears throat> yeah, give him to full, you. Yeah, the full full replica of the 2000 Superbike win. Yeah, you know, the Honda colours and the leathers and, and the helmet. And it was. We had to have the blessing of the family, Linda, the wife, and and it was a bit weird. I, I, in a lot of ways, I thought maybe Michael should have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I took it on, and I got a bit bit stressed with it all a little bit. Really, I got a bit panicking about it, a bit of bit difficult to try and take it all in you know it was uh nobody saw the bike nobody saw the, the leathers or anything until we went to the grid and it was looked beautiful looked stunning, oh, yeah. looked it amazing did. you know it was, it was epic but i was a bit flustered you know set off the line i got had a real sort of poor first lap average second lap speeding in the bloody pits you know ridiculous you know speeding in the pits lost 30, 30 seconds i think i was like reading my pit board i was like I'm P P four, and I was like, I'm in front of, I'm in front of. Uh, I'd caught Cameron Donald number two. I was like, it's not right, it's not right. And I just, oh, penny dropped. I thought I must have been speeding in the pits. And then in the end, I settled down in the last lap and brought the outright lap record, 131.6, which was which was a nice little touch. And I got on the podium, thankfully. Otherwise, I would have really would have thought I hadn't done it any justice whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But the other nice thing was I done that won the race. So, yeah, uh, you know, Michael did win it and. You know, he was flying and fair play to the kid. I enjoyed working with Michael that year in 2013 on the Legends thing. He was all right. He's a good kid, you know, and I, st- I speak to Michael a lot and, you know, he's a, di- a lot of people think he's a bit difficult and a sort of fickle sort of character, but he's, he's a good he's a good boy to, at heart, really. But, yeah, he won the race. and But, yeah, to to flick the old uh, colours on and, you know, my leathers are at home, proud of place. I've got the flies on as they finish. My helmet's there with the flies on. I never took it off my head and... Never worn it ever since. Just in my my, my collection of leather. Uh, I, I wonder gear. which young TT rider will be su- sporting the John McGuinness replica Vimto at some point in in the in ah. the future. Then, good colour blue and pink. Good colour. I love that. That was amazing. That yeah, bike. That nice. Yeah, yeah. The, the white the white Mugen job's difficult. It always makes you look fat, doesn't it? With white leathers <laughs> on, so always yeah. look too chunky in the old the, the old Mugen job. They even did me. I, I went up uh, Goodwood at uh, uh, the festival and I had to, I had to use. Uh, Lee Johnson's RST leathers and flipping, <laughs> you know, he's diddy man, isn't he? They'll fit you like a condom, <laughs> then, didn't they? <laughs> oh yeah, I'll save. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd love to stand on the start line. Well, I hope I do stand on the start line and watch somebody go off in McGinnis colours. You know, where, you know, sadly Joey wasn't with us, but he was, you know, his family were there. Uh, yeah, so we, you know, we we we, we nicked onto the podium. 
but you know, I just big shoes to fill. You know, he's he was God, and uh, he's still the greatest. And you know, I've people say that now, and you know, if you get to twenty six wins, you'll be the same. Well, no, I won't. You know, I never won any Irish Irish small road races, any of them small scaries. There were millions of them: Cookstowns, Tandragees, Temples. There was Caradors. There were heaps of races like that in Ireland. I've never done any of them. Yeah. And I certainly have not won five World Formula One titles like Joey did. You know, he beat Merkel, he beat Rob Mack, he beat all the boys, all the top when Superbike first come out. Uh, Doug Poland, he beat all them guys. So he, he was, you know, he could turn his hand to anything when he wanted to. Yeah. Obviously, you know, and again, at the time when he when he won his three in 2000, he jumped off the Vim, well, the, 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 the SP1, which to be fair... It was a bit of a bit of a turd, really. It was hard work to ride, I tell you. It wasn't the best thing in the world, you know. He got the factory, and rightly so, and he delivered. But they jumped on a one two five two stroke and won. Yeah, I couldn't jump off my superbike, jump on a one two five and win. And then when he beat me in the two fifty race, he beat me hands down. And I was smart ass, you know, British yeah. champion, two fifty lap record holder. Um, he was number three, I was number four. I thought I'm gonna have the old boy. Never no, saw which way he went. <laughs> I got I got my ass handed to be there a little bit. I respected him even more. You know, a couple of weeks later, it was in a blink of an eye we've lost him. But what an epic career, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just... I mean, technically, if you you know if he's God, that technically makes you Jesus. <laughs> if you think about it, I'm got a beard though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Jesus I mean. MBE McGuinness. <laughs> middle M. Change my name, middle M to Jesus. <laughs> No, I'm just a bricky man. All right, just let's let's move forward. 2022, it's going to be your hundredth TT start. That is a mat like that's a. Again, we we seem to have been talking about these milestones throughout this. Mm. You know, everything's a tribute or a milestone, but that is hundred TT starts. It's yeah, I don't know how many. I think has Ian Locker done a hundred. I'm not sure how many. That day, Madsen Middle done hundred starts. Aren't he? he has, yeah, thanks, yeah. fella. So respect to him. You know, kudos to him. Mm. Will it be uh, emotional? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably, probably deep down, but you know, I just I don't know. I get emotionally away from it all a little bit. I just get try and like say boil it all up a little bit. But you know, I want I want a gold plated Honda, and <laughs> I want gold leathers and a glitter helmet. I want to go full full. There we go. <laughs> I think you should. But uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's just fabulous, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. it's like amazing. You know, when when I bust my leg, me and Ewan was. Was talking about we're just trying to work out how many miles we've done because it was that Rossi Rossi said something it had been around the world on a yeah do much GP I thought yeah. oh, let's work this out I'm like I've been around the world twice <laughs> around the TT really? 50, 50 we worked it out the early fifty thousand miles ish maybe a bit more fifty fifty two thousand miles around the Isle of Man blooming hell <laughs> it's a long way isn't it flat out as well that's not. That's oh, just not cruising, is it? Single, 400, Ducati, Yamaha, Honda. It's amazing. Pattern, classic job. So you know. so saying that, does that give you a kind of a little bit of a lift or a step forward going back TT 2022 when everybody's missed two years of action and you've got more experience? This question's been floating around a little bit and it's a good one. And to be honest, I'd... I'd like to think it That's would. That's not give putting me... pressure on you, mate. No, Obviously, I'd, li- I'd, li- it's just I'd like to think sense. it would probably give me an advantage. I mean, so selfishly, I'm like, 
sort of hope it rains Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> we can only yeah. get out Thursday and the race is Saturday. And won't be much hey, good. could well happen. Yeah, well, this is what I'm saying. This is what I've said to a lot of people. Like when Glenn Irwin, my teammate, you know, he's got it all figured out. You know, I said, there's, there's a lot more curveballs about to get thrown at you. But, yeah, I mean, I tell you what, I mean, I'm sat, as long as my arse is pointing to the ground on this chair right now, you wait until that flag drops. You know, Harrison's and Hickey's and, and, and them boys and Hutch's and Dunlop's, they'd be right into one thirties. Two nights in, they'd be one thirties, rattling them out, left, right, centre. Because they're just, that is, well, just, everybody's on it. They are on it now. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere, you know, there's not, you can't feed yourself in on Gusteddy. It's bang, 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 and they'll be rattling the laps out. And, um, you know, but, yeah, it, it's going to be difficult. I've, I've always us. said, though, anything can happen, you know. And it's funny because looking in from the outside and people probably aren't really as genned up on the Alaman TT races. Maybe they're into short circuits and you look at the stats. You know, Hickey's only been winning for two years. Hmm. It's been two years off and so on. It's a very short time since it was Michael Dunlop and Ian, Ian Hutchinson and nobody else really threatening. Hmm. You know, things turn around very, very quickly. And that's not putting the boys down or wishing anybody any bad luck in the slightest. But you just never know what's on the horizon or if one of the old campaigners <laughs> yeah. take it back Absolutely. To you. You, you, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I sit there and, I, and I, I write I write crap down. I sit in my office and I write stuff down. I think, well, I did 132.7 slowing down for the pits in 2015. <laughs> if that was a fast lap, a flying lap, when Hickey did his Hickey did his on a flying lap and they did theirs on a flying lap. If his mind was a flying lap, it'd probably be into mid to late hundred and thirty three. So I'm like, I'm not that far away. So I'm just trying yeah. to sort of figure it all out and and just sort of channel where I think I'm gonna be, which is where I should be if it all comes together. So anything like you say, you know, you could topple off at a BSB round Brady Collarbone and miss a TT. Not that I wish that on anybody, but and you, you, you know, you you get there on the first, it rains on the first night, Monday comes along and, you know, well, it's damp through Glen Ellen and and damp at Sulby, so Gary, the clerk of course, says, I'm not when you're out on your superbikes tonight, you're out on your 600s only, and, you know, this is the things that, that has, has happened, and you've mm-hmm. been there. You know, so I'm thinking, <clears throat> just trying to, I want it to be, obviously, sunshine, everybody flying around, ripping around the island, all safe and good, but anything can happen, like you said, anything can happen, so... Uh, I'll just like you say, I know my way around. I don't take any of it for granted. I don't think to myself, I've got this place figured out because it will bite you in a breath. You know, there's there's a lot of new things that I've got to understand. You know, going in forward with this new fire blade. Last time I raced, I had throttle cables. You know, now I'm, I'm fly by wire, auto blippers, different engine braking systems. There's so much, even though I've got tons of experience with a lot of things. I haven't got a lot of experience with the new, you know, electronics with bikes, so there's still a little few boxes to tick for me. That's where the testing will come in, but it's not going to be easy. And, uh, you know, not that that's the right way or the wrong way to go to TT, but, you know, that's that's where it's all going. So uh, I have a little bit of learning to do myself. I bet Glenn Irwin is rubbing his hands together, though, having John as a teammate. Are you going to help him? Of course I am, yeah. I'll help anybody. Yeah, but are you going to help him? Yes, no. I will. I will do. I will do at the start. It's very difficult. Again, I, I've I've thought long and hard about it. Yeah. And do you know what? I was uh, a real big part of Gus Scott doing his first TT. Mm-hmm. I mean, two thousand five. Forty year old at the time. Tons of experience. Lots of journalism work. I loved him to bits. He was a real good mate of mine from near, from Kendall near where I live. I did nothing wrong. 
and a marshal walked out in front of him and they both mm-hmm. got killed. So I felt super responsible for that. And when I was at Gus's funeral, I've never had that feeling where somebody's looking at you. His parents were looking at me and, you know, I'll never forget it. It's like, yeah, I don't know how to put it into words, but I felt responsible for it. And I think they, not blamed me. I might be barking up the wrong tree, but in my head. That's how you felt. Yeah. So Gus, Gus was a, um, he worked at Performance Bikes magazine, didn't he? And he yeah. was a, he was a, he was a good, well, good racer. He was a good rider, good racer, you know. He's my teammate, oh, three, I think, in Macau. You know, we both rode uh, super sport bikes there. And he was a good, and, and a massive uh, road race fan. Massive, mm-hmm. loved it to pieces, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a good lad, you know, probably one of the better journalist riders, you know. Yeah. A lot of journalists, you know, they couldn't ride the way out of everybody. You'd be careful. <laughs> and a real character but as well. See, yeah, but you, character, could, yeah. you can respect him because he was a good racer. And when he wrote some, he wrote a different style of writing, which was funny. It was funny. And I, I just enjoyed his company. And like I say, mm-hmm. it was just, and I was on the podium. I won the race and I got down. I got told that. I was like, what? So Glenn, you know, going back to Glenn, you know, I, I, I a lot of respect for the kid. He wants to do it for the right reason. He's super doing his own work. He cannot do any more than that. You mm-hmm. know, he can't, he can't do any more than... He knows his way around. Well, he knows it's a left and he knows it's a right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what John did because he did the same with me when I was a teammate. <laughs> John, John won't say an awful lot to him unless he thinks he's getting out of line or <laughs> offline or seriously yeah. or worried about his, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the safety side. And then, and then he'll fill him in with a bit of information which he... Kindly did with me as well. Competitive though, isn't he? That's, I, well, I guess that's the same you'd be for everybody. You can take the advice sometimes or you don't have to, you know. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I... Hey, there's only one fool in life and that's the one that doesn't listen. Hello. Well, you're... It's profound. You're crash at Northwest. If I could have clipped you around the ear, you were a bit injured at the time, but I thought... You prick! You shouldn't have done that, and what you happened? know it, don't you? What, what, did, what happened? John? No, not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, for the wrong. I, I was never worried about qualifying really ever because you know it's all about the. And uh, I had a bit of a beam in bonnet about uh, wanting to be fastest uh, in qualifying, and I was already fastest on Tuesday. Like, I went out Thursday night, and the weather was kind of the same really as Tuesday night, a little bit iffy and not quite. Luckily at the TT, it never really cracks off when the weather's like that. But um, anyway, I pushed too hard in in the conditions and paid a penalty. Yeah, right. Could have been avoided. However, I was still fastest. How could it have been avoided? Just by not pushing as hard. Well, the debrief. We had a debrief at start, didn't? And Ghost is like, well, if you get out first, it's going to rain later on. If you get a lap in earlier, I'm like, well, hey, Steve, we'll be fastest Tuesday. Tuesday night's time will stand. And you went off like a loony. I went up the road. It could have been the end interview, which no, is I a bit frustrating. <laughs> just justifying it now. I did, slow, no, I did a slow lap and looked, and I thought, oh, do you know what? It's the same as Tuesday. So, and I pushed. And it was the wrong decision, 100%. Oh, right. So no one else pushed? It, well, no, I could have gone faster. It wasn't a brilliant lap. <laughs> <laughs> now, going back to Glenn, honestly, when I did it, there was no social media. There's no, you know, and nobody, not nobody cared, but in your own group you cared, in your own environment. But like, no. <laughs> You know, it's everywhere until you read it, and you know these podcasts were doing. Never did podcasts when I was um, being a newcomer, but you know he he sent me a picture the other day of uh, going into the gooseneck, you know, the left and the right, and then left before the gooseneck. You know, we just I said, "Oh, you're going to the gooseneck there." <laughs> just I don't know if you're trying to catch me out or whatever. Like I've, I've done a lap or two, I know where that is, but I'm just saying, like I just just sent him some information, or just watch it through. That's a bit vague because it's it's resurfaced. You know, like it just always feels yeah, yeah, on yeah. the left, doesn't it? Yeah. You don't, 
don't get, don't get any feedback through your bike, do you? I said, you know, on the, on the right, you know, be patient on the way and get a good drive up the hill. Oh, thanks, he says, thanks a lot. <laughs> so, you know, I just, they're, so, they're so different to me as well in a lot of ways. I'm old school, he's, you know, his trains, he's focused, he's BSB top rider and I'm a bit lazy, a bit laxadaisy, he's done, been there, done it all, but I just, you just got to be patient, got to be patient. He'll become 100%. Cream comes to the top of everything. When when you mm-hmm. went, you became, you won two, because you, you've got the main ingredients to start with, you know, it's hard to put speed into somebody, into it, if they haven't got it. Yeah. Hickey went, even Brooks, Brooks went. Yep. And, very very fast Hickey's gone really really fast you know they, they, they do make it and and you know, I'll just go just a little story about Josh Brooks you know when I was with his teammate at Norton he was riding and I wasn't because I still wasn't uh, wasn't fit enough I did a lap with him in the car and I was looking at him he's not listening to me I'm going you know, do, do, and I thought I said you alright he said yeah he said don't take it the wrong way John he said I just want to just go and do it learn it my way mm-hmm. I thought respect yeah I thought I respected that Anyone that's been around, that speed has been around, he knows what he's doing. I yeah. can't. <laughs> you know, you don't get a handbook to do the TT. You don't, somebody doesn't come up and say, this is how you do it. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've, you've got to steer your own ship and you've got to find your own style and the way you want to do it. And, you know, Glenn's got to find that. Mm-hmm. And for a year or two, you're vulnerable. It's as simple as that. You know, yeah. you're going to make mistakes. You're going you're gonna to have a few moments and you think, fuck, you know, that was close and... You commit yourself sometimes, you know, just and that's when you can't be on the bike with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't, you can't get, come away from that. You know, you're gonna have a few scares and scrapes and bumps along the way, and, and then when all the pennies line up and all the penny drops, you you will be hundred percent a, a, a TT winner. I'm sure. From my memory, you've only had one tip off at the TT at the classic TT on the pattern, as far as I can remember. Mm. Luckily. Obviously, you're super safe anyway. You really are. But what's been your biggest moment throughout your TT Do you know what? I went to uh, <clears throat> 2005 production race. It was super, super stock 1,000 race on a Yamaha. I was fastest in practice, and I'm sort of right up for it. And I went into the left at Crosby where uh, DJ, we lost Dave, and I lost, I lost the front into there. <laughs> I lost the front. And honestly, I just... I, I'd, I'd lost the front. I put my foot down. It sort of took the sole of my boot off and uh i just got out of the throttle and it, normally if you have a moment or whatever you sort of back at it and you, you blank it immediately but i couldn't get it out of my head i couldn't get it out of my head at all i just i don't know what what happened because it's so unusual for it to happen there so i pulled in pulled out of the race and uh, you know not i don't know whether the front tire might have deflated or something uh but it, it just you know, it's like if you have a moment somewhere, a slide, you, you predict it because you know you're, you're loading at the rear, it's spinning or whatever. It's all little bits where you have moments, but it's when it's in the place where you have a moment where you don't expect it, they're the ones uh, where you jump out of your skin. I had a big lock-to-lock tank slap on a 600 through Glen Tramming in 2005 practice as well. That was bad. That was bad. I don't know, I passenger. It was just bouncing off the lock stops. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, just accelerate through it and that. No chance. I was an absolute passenger. Mine, yeah. I had the same. Uh, ghostly. Yeah. Lost the front, ghostly. 
and I was waiting for the bang. You know, it's yeah. late and just nothing, no, not violent, nothing, just lost. You know, and it's just starting to tuck and it's going down, down, down. And it just, and I kind of uh, rolled, so it loaded the front and it sat back up and away I went. And that wasn't because I really tried to do that. It's just a natural yeah. reaction, that was all. Fast right-hander, Gorsley, right? Yeah, you're not, not hanging about there. No. <laughs> 170 mile an hour, fifth gear. Mm. Flat on a 600, yeah, it's... Really? Yeah, they're the ones, yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> And no real reason for it, it all, unless unless I was too close to the curb and just got a bit of lift. I don't know. Don't mm-hmm. know. Might not have had enough, maybe enough heat in the front yeah. or something. I don't know. It's the vague corners, isn't it? Because that's very very smooth. And then where I went down, nearly went down at Crosby's, really really smooth. It's funny with the bumps; you get loads of feedback. Don't you? Yeah. Bikes like that yeah. anyway. But then when the smooth bends, you want to feel something. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you do, you know, I mean, I put it out of my head straight away, but I, I couldn't at the, at the time. Yeah, just thought something wrong, something wrong, and just put put them back against the hedge and <laughs> wait for another time. Yeah, so, yeah, that's when you you know sometimes you've got to know when to roll over. Yeah, you know, I mean, always be another time. That's it. Well, there'll always be a time, but eventually, you, you know, you'll hang your levers up and you'll move on. In terms of like your legacy and what you're leaving behind at the TT when you decide to do that, are you happy with that? Can if if you were to walk away from it now, you know. You'd be more than happy, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's been amazing. It's been absolutely unreal. It's just been every minute of it, every second of it, I've, you know, I wouldn't change anything mm-hmm. that I've done around there, you know, the machines I've ridden, the teams I've ridden for, the people I've, my friends around me, my mechanics, the fun, the laughs, the jokes, that just been, you know, I don't know, that place has just, just drew me in a long time ago. Yeah. I just, it won't let go of me. It's a bit, like a bug in it it's a disease that place but I just hope that eventually Summit does just go right John you've had enough yeah yeah I want that I want that dicky bird to say right you know hang your boots up lad but I'm not just ready just yet but you know I can't I can't keep going and going and going and going and going but it's not that you're not chasing a win you're not chasing it's it, you although you although you're competitive and you want to yeah. win it's Love not to. that, yeah. You're not there going right. I, I'm as soon as I get that next win, I'm I'm done. No, you're just there because you enjoy it and you love it, That's and you right. you're competitive with it. Just talking to one of the boys outside before we come in, I said, no, I don't I don't want to say this is my last one. Yeah, because that's the one that bites you into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to don't just don't come out of what I've always done, which is load the motor home up, you know, park my car straight, mow my grass, yeah, <laughs> just get on the ferry, <laughs> yeah, you know, wash my camp when I get there, and just. Get into that rhythm system, you know, with the team, gel with them, ride the bike, try and enjoy the best, you know, the the, the putting the helmet on and going around the great bit. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot going on, a few bits chucked at your left, right and centre with some of the stuff that has to be done with, with riding for a big corporation and stuff, which sometimes is a bit frustrating, but you've got to take it on the chin. But, the, you know, the main bit is riding the bike and crossing the line and getting back on the ferry. Yeah. But... Uh, I'll always stay involved. You know, a lot of riders have not done. You know, Adrian Archibald and a few others, and Jim Moody, and that just completely. You know, TT winners and good top riders are just. Nah, I'm not going back. I don't really? understand that. I just. I think it's amazing. I'd. I just can't wait to be just that. You know, fan as well. Again, you know, just with a bag full of butties, load of beers, and a, and a radio. <laughs> Right, John, I could, we could sit here talking all day long. Honestly, really could. I've got, I got a few quick-fire questions I want to ask you. You can only answer one or the other. 
through these quick fire. There's okay. no explanation, no description. Okay, ready? Ready. Lager or real ale? Lager. Two stroke or four stroke? Two stroke. Sweet or savoury? Savoury. Mike Haywood or Joey Dunlop? Joey Dunlop. Slicks or treaded tyres? Slicks. Super Sport or Super Stock? Super Sport. Carburetors or fuel injection? Fuel injection. Harrison or Hickman? Hickman. Morecambe or the Isle of Man? Morecambe. <laughs> right, you ready for this one? Pillion ride with Joey Dunlop or David Jeffries? David Jeffries. Last question. MBE or 27 TT wins? <clears throat> 27 TT wins. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> nice. Last question, John. I've heard you're a big fan of Strictly. <laughs> I am. If I'm the, dancing on ice, yeah. If they came knocking, <laughs> would you? I'd love to say yes, but I would be a total embarrassment because I'm about as flexible. <laughs> as, I, I haven't got the answer for it, but we're not looking at happy feet, are we? <laughs> I know. I know. Do you know what though? I, like, I don't know what it is. I'm a softy. I am a softy. Let's wrap this up, John. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, and hopefully we'll see you on. There's got to be a part Strictly. two, right? <laughs> got to be. Yeah, we'll see you on Strictly. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Pleasure. Cheers, guys. I'll tell you what, Steve, that was a, an insightful and interesting... Like, I'm, I'm a huge TT fan, motorcycle fan, as it is. Like, getting to do this podcast with you is great. Getting to have people like John McGuinness in, 23 times TT winner, still going, still hungry for it, and you can still see the passion in his eyes. He's got a big year coming up this year. I think he was actually welling up at one point, you know, when we're talking about various things. But the thing with John, you know, uh, he's back with Honda. You know, they've got more wins around the TT course than any other manufacturer. You know, so uh, which, of course, there's a little bit of pressure there. But John kind of, he'll lap that up without doubt. He really will. But nobody will put pressure on anybody than himself more than John McGuinness because the Mm -hmm. TT is the biggest thing in, in his life. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. You know, missing not just a couple of years because of COVID. Through fitness, he's missed quite a serious amount of time around the TT course. So, uh, however, you know, everybody's missed it. They're not quite on form, shall we say. And he's going to be uh, on the front foot because he's got so much experience, like we spoke about, all those miles circulating the TT mm-hmm, course. Exactly. Do you think going back to Honda, he's going to have any um, apprehension as to what happened in the past with him and Honda? Or do you think it's a clean slate? It's a brand new bike. He's just going to go there and, and, and give it the beans. Yeah, 100% that. There'll be no issues whatsoever. You know, John's been uh, keeping himself busy. He's been racing British Championship in my Ducati series and doing a great job. And he's he's riding well, really well. So uh, I do believe he could be podium potential. Shall I put a fiver on him then? Oh, flipping that. Now you're sticking the boat out. <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, that is episode two of the podcast in the bag. If you've enjoyed it, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We have plenty more star-studded names from the world of the TT on the way in this series. And don't forget, you can get all the latest TT news and features over at iomttracers.com. And be sure to check us out on all the usual socials. We're at TT Racers Official. Thanks for listening.